what we want to look at now is the growth of regulation and how that feeds into the ability of individual practitioners to use their discretion. So if I could begin with you, Professor Trevelyan, has there been a growth in regulation? Is there, as we all seem to feel, more regulation now than there ever was before? Well, I think the short answer is yes. We're not all imagining it. There is more regulation. As far as social work is concerned, um, I think that it's true to say that there has for a long time been an element of regulation. Originally, it was focused exclusively on certain kinds of areas of practice and the delivery of services, uh, mainly residential care. But what we have seen in the period since New Labour came to power is a, a massive growth in both the, the amount of regulation and the scope of regulation. Broadly speaking, we've now got a situation where social care services are now comprehensively regulated and we've also got a situation where qualified social workers are themselves regulated as a profession and of course we know that the intention is to extend this regulation to other parts of the social care workforce and that the General Social Care Council is working on that as we speak. So regulation as a whole has expanded and is expanding further. When it comes to regulating the profession, professionals like don't they, to regulate themselves? Now, in the case of social workers, that has been rather taken out of your hands because I think that on most of the committees that regulate social workers, lay members predominate. Is that a good thing, do you think? I think it is. I think social work has always had a rather difficult relationship to the idea of professionalism. In many ways, social workers have been a little suspicious of the elitism associated with the idea of being a professional and inevitably they think of some of what could be seen as the self-serving aspects of self-regulation in areas such as law and um, medicine. And they have, I think probably wisely felt they didn't really want to be that kind of profession which seemed to be inward-looking and which was focused only on its own interest. They wanted to be a different kind of profession. There was widespread support for the idea of setting up a regulatory framework for social work which directly involved people who used services and lay people as well as as well as professional social workers. There can be difficulties about it in practice, of course, but I think that basic principle of wanting to be a new kind of profession, a more open and more accountable profession, has, has been quite important and successful. Andy Pithaus, what do you think, then, is driving the growth in regulation? In some respects, it is what uh, some people describe as the, uh, the real fundamental changes in the welfare state whereby we're uh, having a much more mixed market approach to the delivery of social care services, where we have devolution, power coming from the centre out to the different countries in the UK, where government likes to think it is hollowing out the old giant ministries of welfare and uh, empowering the local areas, if you like. And in the course of all that, as a means of keeping control of events, there is still more centralised power, if you like. Insofar as we have a mixed market of welfare, and lots of providers, lots more empowerment, uh, lots more, I think, of discretion in many ways, we still have central control. I mean, I'll give you a good example. In children's services, one has to do an initial and a core assessment within set times. 
that's not negotiable. And so that's an externally imposed control. It's not something that managers can negotiate. It comes from central government. And insofar as we have a much more decentralised political and welfare delivery system, much more differentiated than ever before, one way of keeping tabs on that, it seems to me, is that we do have more regulation, more audit, more centralised control through standards, through legislation and through a set of requirements, which which none of us can negotiate. It's not a question of managers versus practitioners in the sense we all have to live in this this particular world. And it is troublesome. I mean, a brief example that, that we covered in research the other day was how a family needed some basic services, some basic resources, quite simply, uh, it was self-evident to anybody concerned what they needed, but they had to undergo a 35-day core assessment uh, of their needs when it was quite unnecessary, but it was the only way to get the resource. And so levels of discretion have been stripped out in various places. And that's just one example, I think, of many. But we can't get away from the fact that the world is very, very different now than it was when we, when I certainly qualified in practice uh, some 25 years ago. And, for example, in Wales, we've got 1,800 providers of social care services, 70,000 staff who provide social care services, 4,500 social workers, 150,000 service users. There's no way that we can actually control what goes on in any direct sense through standards or through regulations with that size and complexity of activity. I think standards and regulations and requirements appear rational and sensible or not, as the case may be, but whether they actually really impact on the real world of practice on a day-to-day basis is quite another matter. So I think there is still discretion in the way that uh, we we do what we do, and uh, I think that's worth exploring a bit. I think that increased regulation and what's called high standards they often become developed or defined through increased risk aversion and sometimes that can have quite you know perverse consequences like the example that was given there about somebody having to have a 30-day assessment before they could get a very simple thing. I think we must be careful actually not to jump to the conclusion that there's a built-in conflict between the idea of standards and concepts of the individual responsibility of the social worker. In fact, if you look at the work that's been done on the codes of practice, which now are one of the key kind of regulatory instruments... Tell us a bit more about them then the, and how the, they work. The codes of practice effectively embody the ethical standards underpinning social work practice, and they're applicable to all qualified social workers and indeed to anybody who is registered with the General Social Care Council. So, in they, the fu- they, they say, for example, then? They, for example, have things built in them about respect and the way you deal with service users and all the issues we talked about earlier on. And there are issues there about power and the use of power and abuse of power and so on. So a lot of the things we were talking earlier on are flagged up in the codes. And interestingly enough, one issue about the codes is that there's a code of practice for social care workers and there's a code of practice for employers. Of course, one of the issues is what kind of uh, teeth that code of practice on employers actually has. However, the point I wanted to pick up is the fact that the code of practice has a direct impact on the registration of social workers. These days, social workers are registered so long as they maintain the standards that are built into those codes. Now, if they engage in misconduct and do things which are effectively dangerous or abusive or things which are in conflict with basic professional standards, they run the risk of being removed from the register, and and that means they cannot practice as social workers. What that effectively does is create quite an interesting leverage which wasn't there before. In other words, you as an individual social worker can sometimes feel that there's an ethical conflict between what you feel should be done in a situation and what you may feel your managers are asking you to do. 
Now, with registration, you will clearly have a responsibility to act in accordance with the codes of practice, regardless of what your managers are saying. Because if you act in a way which is in conflict with the codes of practice, you are running a personal risk of uh, having your own registration subject to question. So there is an example there, I think, of the way in which standards in that sense can support individual professional responsibility rather than act as a, a break on it. I agree with many, much of what Steve has said, but I, I do think it rather implies that codes of practice can map across to the everyday world of practice in some kind of a concrete sense and, and apply directly. And I'm not entirely sure that some of the dilemmas and contradictions of practice itself work like that. I mean, for example, you could have a case of a child in a family where the mother has uh, some very serious addiction problems, and it's a moot point as to whether you leave the child there in relatively uh, unfortunate circumstances, but still with its mother, or you take it out and you put it with a family where they have a much better life chances. Now, these are these are very profound dilemmas in some respects. Intervening there, of course, is a question of resources anyway, and a series of other perspectives and points of view. And uh, I agree with Steve that the ethical framework gives us a, a bit of arm wrestling to say, look, uh, in a decent world, this is what we should be doing. But whether or not social workers in their day-to-day practice refer to the ethical frameworks and the standards seems to be another matter. And I think they kind of come back and bite them on their bum when things go wrong, rather than providing a code for day-to-day work. And uh, Just a very brief aside, it's a bit like you know, referring to those sort of terrible things at the back of your DVD when when it goes wrong, you go through this fault-finding list. And standards like that, they, they just don't work. Your DVD still doesn't work, having gone through this long list of things to try and remedy stuff. And sometimes the rules, or the frameworks, don't quite work because the real world is more complicated and systems just don't deliver.